Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Narratives of Grace podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Caleb Barrett, and we are glad that you have been able to join us today. Today's message is by Pastor John Matlack on Christ, our Passover, from April 5th, our evening service on Palm Sunday. Good evening, and uh, thank you for watching This is my first time to preach to an empty room. Uh, I am going to tell you right now, speaking to the camera is taking a lot of getting used to. Uh, For those of you who are watching and aren't members here at Mililani, I am John Matlack, uh, and I am the lay pastor of discipleship here. And uh, I was honored when they asked me if I would be willing to uh, bring this evening's message. Uh, and so I really do appreciate uh, the church's willingness to, uh, to work with me, to give me an opportunity to serve here, and uh, to ask me to speak tonight. Again, it's a little bit weird just having the camera and like three people here, but we'll try to work through it. Let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Uh, dear Lord, we... Uh, We thank you for this evening. We thank you for uh, your coming to earth and and your sacrifice that you gave for us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings that you've given us, but especially that of of salvation. Lord, I just ask that you'd be with us this evening. Bless this message. Help it to be your message that comes through your words and not my own. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. This, this week is Holy Week. Today kicks off Holy Week. And uh, Pastor Caleb and Pastor Dennis and I had some plans for this year to do things a little bit different. We were going to have a Monday Thursday service on Thursday uh, to celebrate the Last Supper. And this isn't something that we've normally done here at Mililani uh, Baptist but it is a church tradition, and we thought that it would be a rich tradition to bring here and, and offer as an opportunity. Unfortunately, with the whole COVID-19 and stay-at-home order, that is going to look a lot different this year. Uh, traditionally, for a Monday Thursday service, uh, you would have a time of communion, a time of, of uh, fellowship. In fact, growing up, uh, the church I went to, I, I was raised in, we had a Monday Thursday service, and, and that communion service was different than every other communion service in the year. Because that, that communion service, they would take out a couple of rows of pews, and they would bring in tables, and we would come up, if there was too many of us, we'd have to take shifts, but we would come up and we would sit around the table during communion to represent Christ's Last Supper. Obviously, we're not going to be able to do that over the internet. We are planning on doing something for it uh, over Zoom, but it won't be the full-fledged service. But this evening, I took a cue from that, and I want to talk to you about Monday, Thursday, and its roots in the Passover. 
So why does the church have Monday Thursday? Well, honestly, the reason the church has Monday Thursday is because after, uh, after Christ's ascension, the church continued to celebrate Passover, but the church also became more and more and more Gentile. And at the point when the, the Jewish religion and the church split, uh, they began to celebrate Passover less and less. And there was this realization that we as a church were commanded to remember Passover, or at least to remember part of it. If uh, you'll turn to 1 Corinthians, uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 24 through 26, he, uh, he's talking about the Lord, what we call the Lord's Supper or Communion. But he says, and then he gave thanks, and he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, we read that passage every time we celebrate communion. And we, we think about what it's saying there. But how often do we look at it in its full context? Jesus is there at, his, at his, uh, the Last Supper. And he's celebrating the Passover with his disciples on the night before he will be crucified. That's the... That's the backdrop. That's the command. So what is this bread that he's saying that we're eating? What is this cup that he's saying, telling us to drink? If it's not clear enough in that passage that we were commanded to keep the Passover, uh, if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, just over a few pages, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, verses 7 and 8, he says, Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you, uh, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. What is the feast? Well, the feast he's talking about there is the feast of Passover. Now, in the church, as I said, as the church became more and more Gentile, the, the Jewish traditions uh, faded away, and Passover was one of those. And so the church instituted uh, Monday Thursday. And it has been celebrated uh, in a lot of denominations, celebrated regularly uh, for, for many centuries. Uh, but the whole point of it was to bring us back to that commandment and to remind us of Christ's Last Supper. But to really understand Christ's Last Supper, we have to have an understanding of Passover and what it looked like. So this evening, we're going to take a look at that. What is Passover? A lot of people, a lot of Christians uh, don't understand what Passover really was all about. They understand, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a feast. Uh, some people may put it together with the Exodus. Uh, but they don't understand all of the ins and outs. Well, Passover is the oldest religious feast in the Jewish religion. 
It was instituted at, uh, during the Exodus, actually before the Jews were re- uh, released, it was instituted, and it was because the tenth and final plague was the angel of death that came through and killed the firstborn in all of Egypt. But for those who trusted in God's word and had their sacrificial lamb that was eaten as part of the Passover feast, and they took the blood and they put it over the door panels of the house. When the angel passed through the land, it saw the blood and it passed over those houses and those families were saved and protected. And ultimately, that plague brought deliverance to the people of Israel from their captivity, from their slavery that they were in in Egypt. So that's the backdrop of this. It's the blood of a lamb being shed, being displayed, being put over a house to protect the house from God's judgment and ultimately to free them from bondage. And the Passover uh, in Exodus 12, if you want to read it, we're not going to read it tonight, but in Exodus 12, 1 through 28, you can read about the command for Passover. And it's not really uh, in-depth, now do this, now do this, now do this. But there are some commandments that are listed there. Uh, Some of them uh, to note is that it will be celebrated on the 14th day of Nisan. Uh, Nisan is the Jewish month that usually falls kind of the March-April time frame on our calendar. And it it begins at sunset on the 14th. It marks the beginning of an eight-day celebration, which includes uh, not only the Passover feast, but the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the focal point of the Passover is a communal meal and a time of rejoicing and celebrating in the deliverance that God accomplished in the Exodus. The Passover, it's, it's more than just a feast. It's more than just a meal and a festival. After the original Passover, the implementation to continue it was set up in such a way that it's actually a time of teaching, an experience to teach the next generation so that they can understand the importance of being God's people and understand the deliverance that he has given. The Jews, uh, in their commandment, or in their command, they were commanded to, re- to explain the history as their children asked. Uh, they were uh, other things that were required, unleavened bread and a lamb and wine. These were all commanded to be parts of the Passover. Now, by the time Jesus uh, was around, when we, we look at Jesus' uh, Last Supper there, there was a fairly well-developed tradition of how to celebrate the Passover. Now, when I say fairly well-developed, there were different, and still are, different ways that the Passover is uh, approached, but they all have common themes. Uh, they all have bitter herbs, unleavened bread, cups of wine, reciting of the history, prayers, blessing, uh, prayers of blessings, three compartments, a, a pouch with three compartments that has three different servings of matzah crackers with the one in the middle broken and hidden 
at one point. Since the destruction of the temple, though, there has been no lamb. But at the time of Christ, the temple was still there. Temple sacrifices were the norm, and he would have had a lamb at his supper. As Christians, though, we understand, we know that the lamb, the Passover lamb, our Passover lamb, is Christ. And so there is no need to have the sacrificial lamb as there was because Christ is our sacrificial lamb. He is our Passover lamb and has fulfilled that requirement. But Jesus is, looks like, and I'm, I'm not going to go through in depth of what it looked like, but imagine this. He's come in with his disciples and when you read, you see that he sends the disciples to prepare the room. Now, in the preparing of the room, what they're doing is they're going in and they're, ma- they're sweeping it out and they're making sure that there's no leaven in the room. Then they do this, then they bring in the, the Passover lamb that was slain on, the, on Nisan 14th, although in the case of Jesus, it would have been the 13th, and I'm, I'm going to come back and discuss that in a minute. Uh, but the, they bring in the Passover lamb that was sacrificed and prepared and they bring that in as part of the meal and you would have a ceremony that included a a pre-meal ceremony shall we say that included the bitter herbs the salt water uh, the some washing eating two of the three matzah servings and drinking two of the four cups of wine and then you would have had the meal now, all of this, all of uh, the before meal festivities, a lot of them are discussed in the scriptures. You can look at the, the, the gospels and their accounts of, of Christ's uh, final supper. They are all, we, we have a pretty good picture of how that looked, and they are all really good for us to look at. But tonight I'm going to focus more on what happens after the meal. Following the meal, there is what's called the afomen, and that's that hidden matzah that I talked about, where it's in the pouch with three, three uh, sections, and it's hidden away during the meal. It's hidden away during the meal, and in the tradition, a chi- the children will go searching for it, and the child who gets it uh, brings it back, and the father redeems it from the child with money, uh, buys it back. Now, this is interesting. Uh, the Jews don't seem to understand the semblance there or even where this tradition came from. But here we are. We have Jesus. He has that, that cracker that uh, I'm not going to pronounce it. I always mispronounce it. Afoman. It's the final one, and he's blessing it and handing it out. And as he's blessing it, he says those words, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Of course, at this point, uh, his disciples probably didn't understand the full, well, we know they didn't understand the full impact of what he's saying there. Because in spite of the fact that all the way on their 
travels towards Jerusalem, he's been telling them that they're going there for him to be crucified. They don't get it yet. Then he takes the final cup, the third cup, which interestingly enough is the cup of redemption. And here he is presenting the cup of redemption as part of their, their Passover celebration. And as he holds it up, he says, this is my blood. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in of, as often as you think of it. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. The, the, the cracker, which represents his body, hidden away for three compartments, three days in the tomb. And the cup representing his blood that is shed for our redemption. His blood that is for so many years was represented in the blood of the lambs that were sacrificed at Passover. And when so many years back in history in Egypt, that blood was literally put over the house so that God would pass over those houses and not pour out his judgment on, the, on those houses. Now, here's Jesus. This cup represents my blood, which will be within a few hours literally poured out for them at Calvary. And literally it will, for those who believe, it will be a covering so that when God is moving, when God is judging, he will see not our sins, but Christ's blood. And we will be redeemed. Uh, after that, there was some singing. There was a fourth cup a cup of praise and worship or a cut the cup of Elijah. Uh, but really those are the two elements that I want to focus in on. As we look at it, we can see this is the root of where we get our uh, communion, our Lord's Supper. But this is also Christ's uh, celebration, his final celebration of the Passover, which was ultimately a celebration of the forming of the Jewish nation and pointing to God's redemption. And we see in Mark, we see in Mark that he he takes he takes the uh, the the passage I've been reading to you from is. In Corinthians, but we see in Mark fourteen twenty two, when he takes the cracker, he says, "It is my body," and then in twenty three and twenty five, we see that implementation around the 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 cup. Now, as I said, too often we kind of miss the background, miss the understanding to that. And in English, we have an even harder time because this time of year, we refer to what the church is celebrating as Easter. Uh, and then we have a word for Easter and we have a word for Passover. And I don't want to go into all of why we call it Easter and so forth. Uh, that's a long conversation in and of itself. But in many other uh, languages, uh, for example, Greek, 
uh, and if I recall correctly, I didn't write it down, I should have, uh, French, they use the same word for Passover and Easter because our celebration this time of year of, East, of Easter is the Christian's understanding of the fulfillment of Passover. And so I think it's important for us to look at Passover because it allows us the opportunity to see Christ's ultimate fulfillment of what had been set up in the Old Testament, in the Old, Co- in the Old Covenant. Jesus is our Passover lamb. But he doesn't just save us from a plague or from physical bondage. He saves us from eternal judgment. And he frees us from the bondage of sin. The symbolism here is, it's not an accident. This is the way God works. If we look, we can see all of the prophecies pointing to Christ. We can see all of the sacrificial system that pointed toward the need of the blood, the blood of a perfect lamb for the forgiveness of sin. Christ is called the Lamb of God. We can see here, as we look, if, if you look at Passover, the, the clear pointing to a Passover lamb or a lamb that would bring redemption. Again, Christ is the Lamb of God. He is that lamb that brings the redemption. The, the third wafer and the third cup of, of wine were taken and instituted for us not, I shouldn't say instituted, they were already instituted. They were explained for us so that we can see clearly as we look at it how it's pointing to Christ, how it looks for us as Christians viewing this. Uh, the, re- the redemption that the Jews were looking at was the redemption from slavery in Egypt. But here they were now in Roman control. And they were looking for another redeemer. A redeemer who would save them from being a Roman territory. A political and military redeemer is what they were looking for. But Christ came as a suffering Messiah. He came and... He fulfilled the requirements, but he came as the the lamb for Passover. And here we have Christ at the Paso- at his at his final Passover with his uh, with his disciples, explaining that and commanding us to look forward to it. But you remember earlier I talked about the fact that Christ's Passover would actually sacrificed a day early. In the final fulfillment of this picture, we see how this works. See, Jesus was a Galilean. And as Galilean, they celebrated, the Galileans went to 
of Jerusalem, as hundreds of thousands of Jews from all over the world did. And so they, they went in a day early and they celebrated instead of on the 14th, on the 13th. This is a logistics thing. It's not a religious thing. Uh, basically, they had too many people coming to town. So Galilee was nearby. That's the most uh, out-of-town people who are coming in. All right, guys, come in early, have your celebration, go home, make space for the people coming from the rest of diaspora to come in. And that's what Jesus was doing. So he and his disciples came in and they celebrated on the 13th. And then he, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we see Christ being turned over. He's being found and turned over in exchange for money, for silver. He's then taken, he's tried, he's handed over to Pilate to be crucified, and he's taken and he's crucified. He's put on the cross around 9 a.m. But the interesting time is that it says that he died in the ninth hour or around 3 p.m. What's interesting about that is that that was the time for all of the Jews not from Galilee to be sacrificing their Passover lamb. And as they were sacrificing their Passover lamb, Christ was dying on the cross. As they were looking at their picture of redemption, Christ was offering full redemption. Instead of the lambs that had to be continually uh, sacrificed, Christ's sacrifice was once and was uh, good for all eternity. The, the blood of Christ washes away the sins of those who believe. Christ explained this to Nicodemus, who was, by the way, a religious leader and one of the, one of the men who took his body down from the cross. But he explained this to him when Nicodemus came to him by night in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to him. He's asking him some questions and he's explaining to him what a person must do to have eternal life. And he's explained to him that the Son of Man must be lifted up as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness. So the Son of Man must be lifted up, he says. And it's this implication that you know the story, Nicodemus. When they lifted up the serpent, those who looked at the serpent and believed in God's healing were healed from the snake bites. So the Son of Man, Christ, must be lifted up, put on a cross, and those who look to him in belief will be saved. He says in uh, John 3.16, uh, he explains that salvation. He says, for those who uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that would be Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This week as we celebrate Easter, that is what we are celebrating. This week as we have the different services, uh, the, the Monday, Thursday service that we'll do on Zoom or the, the Good Friday service, uh, that we will have on Friday on f here on Facebook. As 
as we have those services, what we are celebrating is this. Christ came. He shed his, his blood for us that we can be redeemed. Now the good news is, and this will be covered as we go throughout the week, but the good news is that he didn't stay dead. Three days later, just as there were three compartments for the, for the matzah crackers, three days later, he rose from the dead. The tomb couldn't hold him. He was no longer hidden away in the tomb. In fact, three days later, on that Sunday, the first day of the week, they go, several women go to, to put spices on the body because he was hastily prepared for burial. And they arrive to find that the huge boulder that had been put in front of the tomb was gone and he, is, he has been freed from the grave. That is the good news. Our Lamb, our Redeemer, came and died and shed his blood for us. But he didn't stay dead. And that's how we can have hope in the redemption that he promises. Hope in the everlasting life that he offers. And this week, I would encourage you as we celebrate Easter to look at that, to be thankful, to be joyful, to worship our Redeemer. And if you are sitting in your homes today and you're saying, John, I'm not sure I understand what you're talking about. I don't know this Jesus. I don't understand this redemption that you speak of. I would encourage you, reach out to us. You can reach out to us here on Facebook. You can call the, uh, call the church, call, our, call us. You can email us. But let us know. Reach out to us so that we can open the scripture with you and show you the, the redemption that is available, the salvation that is available to us in Christ our Redeemer. That we can be freed from eternal judgment, that we can be freed from being slaves to sin, given freedom and given eternal life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, uh, we thank you. We thank you for your coming uh, and dying for us. Lord, we thank you for uh, giving us this time and these celebrations that point to you and point to the redemption that you offer us. Lord, for those of us who believe, we thank you for uh, having given us this. And, and for those who haven't believed, Lord, we pray that you would draw them to you so that they could believe in you and taste of this redemption as well. And Lord, we pray that during this time of, of the year as we celebrate Easter, that we would reflect on you and we would reflect on your fulfillment and your perfecting of Passover. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for the Narratives of Grace podcast. I pray that this message was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments about the message, please email us at pastor at mbaptist.org and put either podcast or Narratives of Grace in the subject. Uh, we'd love to get any questions or comments that we could address in uh, future podcasts. If you have any prayer requests, please email us at prayer at mbaptist.org. We want to be praying with you over everything big and small. And for more information on Mililani Baptist Church, please visit mbaptist.org or follow us on social media or YouTube. 
Thank you for joining us today.